Hey everyone, welcome to Punkcast. My name is William Maxwell. I'm a student of Web3 and the owner of Punk9527. CryptoPunks are 10,000 uniquely generated characters stored permanently on the Ethereum blockchain. No punk is the same. This is a show dedicated to celebrating the punks behind the punk. My hope for this podcast is that we capture the essence of the punk culture, elevate the brand and the individual behind the punk. One last thing. Projects discussed on the show is not financial advice. Crypto and NFTs are a volatile and risky asset class. Please always do your own research. Other than that, let's go. Hi, and welcome back to Punkcast. Today, we've got our first hoodie punk on the show. Please welcome Punk8515. He's a 280 with a big beard and iconic hoodie. He's a well-known and respected punk and a massive gen art collector, some of which were auctioned off at the Christie's auction in 2021. He currently serves as the CEO of CryptoPunks. Please welcome Barcella to the show. Barcella, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, you know, I appreciate your time. This is a lot of fun. Now, I've been uh, looking forward to this. You know, I think I've seen your name uh, pop up quite a lot of my feed and just in awe of all the things that you sort of collect. We're good to sort of unpack everything about your punk journey and, uh, and your NFT journey, for sure. Maybe if we can just start off with, I guess, a bit of context about your name. Barcella, is that... Your real name or is that uh, sort of an anonymous name? No, so I guess I was doxxed via the Christie's process. So my name's Matt. I'm a Canadian guy. I'm in my late 30s. Barcella comes from the street that I grew up on in Ontario, uh, just a random street that, you know, of course, you know, everybody has that, you know, kind of nostalgic feeling of, you know, that street that they grew up on as a kid. And, you know, my street happened to be Barcella Crescent in Ontario. And so, you know, when I entered the space a few years ago, I was kind of identified the fact that a lot of people go with kind of obviously, you know, a secondary name or, or you know, something anonymous in a sense. And so I, I stuck with that, tried to follow suit. And I uh, thought, you know, Barcella would be a fun name and, and have some, you know, some sentimental value and mean something to me. And that's that's how it came up. So, yeah, it's a street that I grew up on. Oh, lovely. And maybe you can just share a little bit about, I guess, your journey into NFTs and, you know, I guess everything leading before that, you know, where you sort of grew up, what you studied, et cetera, and how you sort of found your way. For sure. Yeah, man. I, you know, it's funny. I never grew up a fan of art. I, I grew up an athlete. I played um, AAA baseball, AA hockey. I was an avid golfer, had golf scholarship opportunities to the US, but I, I never got into art i was never artistic i was never into anything i love music but i've never really been someone who was a fan of, of any sort of art you know it's funny how it happens so um i'm a cpa so i studied accounting in school i went to school out here in canada i actually turned down the golf scholarship offers they were to a lot of you know d2 schools no name schools you know sometimes in hindsight i wondered what the hell i was doing doing that but I chose a path. I went, you know, uh, hardcore into accounting. I got my letters to so my designation, my CPA designation here in Canada. And uh, I started auditing, which a lot of, you know, accountants do. And I was auditing financial statements for a living for Deloitte & Touche, a big accounting firm. And I just naturally in, in the region I was in Canada, I started auditing manufacturing companies. And then like many accountants, I left public accounting and I took a job as uh, the vice president of finance for a manufacturer of cordage, so rope and twine and things like that. And this this entity had two plants, one in Canada and one in Maine in the U.S. And long story short, I was their accountant for four and a half years. The two older men who owned the business were looking to sell and move on. I did what's called a management buyout, and I managed to buy both of those companies, the U.S. company. 
the Canadian company by myself off those two individuals using 100% debt. You know, it was an interesting experience for me because I, you know, went from being an accountant to the CEO of a business. I, at 32 years old, so I was the owner of, you know, two multinational manufacturing companies traveling all over North America to trade shows and trying to, you know, understand how to run these businesses from that perspective and grow the businesses. And I did that and I went crazy for three years and I ended up doubling the value of those businesses and selling those businesses in early 2020. It was mid-COVID. I had a young baby at home. I'm married here in Canada. I had a young baby at home. And a friend of mine was like, you know, have you ever invested in crypto? I'm like, no, I've never really invested in much crypto. I've, you know, I, I know about it. I know about Bitcoin, Ethereum, but not really my thing. And, you know, listen, I think you should have a look and, you know, toss a few bucks and, you know, in Bitcoin and Ethereum. And he sent me an article and the article talked about CryptoPunk. And I was like, man, this, you know, it's a cool project. It looks pretty cool. There's just something about it that really you know, was enticing to me. And I went and bought some Bitcoin. I bought some Ethereum. And at the time, my younger brother, he was an NFL writer. So he wrote football for a company called The Bleacher Report based out of California. And Rob Gronkowski was dropping the first ever athlete NFT like player's card, like trading card in like March of 21. And uh, he said, you know, I, I, I know you're buying some ether and stuff. He goes, you know, just a coincidence, but the Gronk is dropping, you know, arguably the first player sports athlete NFT card. You know, should we go and try and buy some of these things? And so we got online the day of the auction. We, you know, had a, a couple kind of bidding wars. I think I spent like three ETH on one, and like one ETH on another. And so the first NFTs that I ever bought were these Gronkowski trading cards. And just that experience of like the bidding war for these, you know, these assets and just kind of the excitement of, you know, minting and stuff like that, I guess, got me really into the idea of digital art. And literally, I went from being this accountant who ran a manufacturing company to this guy that was, you know, just on the edges of learning this NFT Ethereum crypto space. And it was, it was COVID. I was locked in my house more or less. Canada took COVID pretty seriously. You know, we couldn't even legally like, you know, bring our daughter to her grandparents. It was like super locked down for a first, you know, the first little while. And just sort of coincidentally, it was that time that I was getting heavy into the space and just started to sort of really pay attention. And I bought my first punk in late March, I believe of 2021. And I started flipping punks. I started flipping floor punks. And at that time, it was pretty easy to do. It was easy to make an ether or two overnight, even in some cases, if you really paid attention to what was popular and to traits and so on. And I started to really, you know, have private conversations and participate in the discord and build some relationships with other crypto punk holders and, you know, people that have been around in the space since the mint back in 2017. And those, you know, those individuals have a breadth of knowledge and, you know, advice. And so it was leaning on those people and learning through those individuals. OX11D3. So the individual behind Math Castles is a good friend of mine and super genius. And he took the time. He was the first person to reach out to me when I was asking, you know, noob questions in the Discord and say, hey, listen, I'm happy to help. Happy to walk you through stuff. Let's talk about traits. Let's talk about what you're looking to spend, et cetera. And he was just a good friend and he had no, you know, agenda. And so he was, you know, someone who I would shout out in terms of making a difference and getting me into the space. So CryptoPunks obviously started, you know, just 
One morning, someone was talking about elevated deconstructions, you know, the early on low mint number art block project, the generative art block, uh, you know, projects, one of the first ones in, in you know, their, their first series. And I, I just went and checked it out on OpenSea and they were selling for like an ETH. And I think I bought a, you know, an elevated deconstruction for 1.2 ETH that I still have to this day. And I started just, you know, asking questions and listening. And I realized that, you know, there were these curated projects through our blocks that were coming out. And I started talking to Snowfro and Eric's an amazing person. And, you know, he took his time to explain kind of his background to me. And all of a sudden, I just got this feeling like I'm going to I'm gonna buy every one of these curated sets because they were all pretty affordable. Like, obviously, Fidenza, I think at the time was like five Ethereum or something. But I was like, I'm, I'm going to buy, you know, all these sets. And so I ended up buying... Uh, the 31 sets that made up the first three series, you know, one of each or whatever. And uh, I had this pretty, you know, nice bag of art blocks. And, uh, you know, around the same time, I met Justin Eversano and started talking to him about Twin Flames and punks and his experiences. And he was in the middle of talking with Christie's about Twin Flames going to auction the the actual physical set. He introduced me to Noah Davis and Noah Davis, who's now obviously um, kind of head of the CryptoPunks with respect to Yuga Labs. You know, great guy. I talked to him uh, privately and he was like, yeah, we'd be really interested in consigning your 31 pieces to Christie's. And, and like all of a sudden I'm like, holy shit, I'm a, a CPA, never had any any love for art. And all of a sudden I'm like in this community, I have all these new friends, in a, you know, in a sense, and all these new relationships with people. And this, this whole new understanding and appreciation of an entirely different world that I never knew existed six months earlier. And now I'm going to auction 31 pieces of art at Christie's, this like 300 year old auction house. And it got crazy, man. Like I had a dedicated physical gallery at the Rockefeller Center for an entire week heading up to the auction where all 31 pieces were like on, on screens in this dedicated physical room. And like Gary V is walking around taking a video and talking about how big of a day it's going to be the next day, like, you know, the, the day before the auction, like filming my pieces on, on screen and, and blasting that on Twitter. It was surreal. Like it was like my, my friends and family who knew me, like, like, were like, dude, this doesn't even make sense. Like, are you lying? <laughs> like, like, this is ridiculous. You know, the full circle though i mean and you know you, you know the irony in the whole thing is is when i was going through this process and this is no hit on noah this is a hit on the space i mean this is this is the world that you know we're currently living in with respect to volatility but i signed the deal with christie's around late august of 21 and the floor for those 31 pieces was 1100 ether and when the auction approached so just before october 1st only a month later that floor had dropped to 580 so it had literally split in half. And so timing wasn't great that that way. Things just dove around that time. And uh, Christie's was like, you know, we have a really good sense of some good buyers involved in this. And so they get a, you know, they try their best to understand what kind of buyers they're looking at and, you know, who the interested parties are. And they pre-qualify people. Um, and uh, they were pretty confident. Noel was confident. And so they recommended I set the reserve at 700 Ethereum. Eric Snowfro talking to him privately, he was like, I wouldn't do that. He's like, I would stick with the floor. So if the floor of those 31 projects is 585, put in, that's the floor. And I didn't listen. I listened to Christie's and uh, the bidding got up to 560 and never hit my reserve of 700. And so it never sold, it passed. And so my 31 pieces never sold at auction, would have sold first ever Ethereum based auction uh, in history 
And, and I, I would have made, I mean, Christ, I paid 40,000 Canadian dollars for those 31 pieces. And I think I would have made like 1.6 million if I'd taken the 560. <laughs> so this is the space we live in, man. I mean, it was, it was a, you know, it was a fun experience. I had no regrets. And then God paid me back. Like two weeks later, I was around on Discord messing around in punks and a guy named Gremplin came in and he said, listen, I'm making this new project called Cryptodes. If there's any punks in here who want a one of one, let me know right now. Short window, small window, but I'm happy to make you, you know, a, a custom toad. I happened to be online at one o'clock in the morning when he came on and said that. And uh, I said, hey, man, I'd love that. I'd, you know, really appreciate that. And uh, he sent me this this one of one toad. It went in my, my wallet. I kind of forgot about it. And then about a week later, you know, I was kind of showing my toad in the, in, in the, in the punks discord and toads were going crazy when toads minted. I think people were selling them for like five, 10 Ethereum. This incredible man named Pete D, you might know, might not know, but he's a, a Bitcoin, I don't know, historian. He like minted Bitcoin back in the day, popped into my DM and he's like, hey, man, I saw your one-on-one crypto. I love it. Would you trade that crypto and your crypto sock? Because it's like a physical, <laughs> and, I, and I hadn't claimed my socks yet. And he was adamant. He wanted those socks. He goes, give me your toad. And give me your socks and I'll give you a pump. And I was like, sorry. And he's like, 100%. And at the time, the floor was 110 ETH, which was 400,000 US dollars. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, this has to be fraud. This has to be a scam. So I do some digging. PD looks pretty legit to me. He just bought Snowfro's Ape for like friggin' $5 million. He just bought a six trait, the like pipe dude or whatever for like $4 million. The guy's obviously got coin. Yeah. And so all of a sudden we're on like, I think we used uh, swap, swap Kiwi or something. And I literally traded a free toad I'd gotten two weeks earlier and a pair of free socks for a $400,000 punk. And then I turned around and four days later sold the punk for 112.5 Ethereum. That's crazy. To answer your next question, my biggest win, that's my biggest win. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, geez. I don't know where to start myself. I think I wanted to stop you, but then I just wanted to continue listening to all the things that you had to say. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a short and crazy ride, man. I'll, I'll say that much. There's a couple of things. Well, first off, I just want to let you know that I'm in the same boat. I'm an accountant with you and also started in an au- oh, no audit at Deloitte <laughs> um, oh my a long God. time ago. That's hilarious. Yeah, it would have been crazy as well, man. You Before your crypto days, I mean, you were pretty successful anyway, man. Like, I mean, to have an MBO fully leveraged out to turn that around dude i've had a crazy path man i've had a crazy path yeah. i mean just to sort of give you the full update i'm back in manufacturing right now my nfl writing brother quit his job him and i bought a parachute manufacturing company so i now run a sewing shop near my house with 30 people sewing on, on industrial sewing machines and i supply the canadian army with all their parachutes all their tents all their their like holsters their artillery belts everything like anything that's a a defense textile I sew for the Canadian military. So that's what I'm doing right now on the side, I guess you could say. No one ever knows what path life is going to take them down. I mean, I didn't think as a CPA, as someone at Deloitte, that I'd be a textile guy, that I'd be this manufacturing textile dude. And all of a sudden, I'm like a textile expert, and that's my path. And and then all of a sudden, I'm, you know, at Christie's with generative art. And it's like, what the hell's going on here? So life is nuts, man. Life is nuts. It's a beautiful thing when you embrace the path that, you know, you've been given and just take the ride, man. I mean, I got two beautiful kids. I got a great wife. Yeah. And I mean, it's been a, a super cool experience. I, I've gotten involved in, you know, alpacas formally. I, I'm, I'm their CFO, which now has grown into this 
athlete group, which is Brainy. So Brainy, the crypto punk, who's an amazing guy. I, I, you know, got to meet him in person in Amsterdam when I was there with my family in October. Him and his brothers have built a really cool, you know, business with alpacas and now, um, Toshis, I mean, Toshis, man, I'm not sure if you know what those are, but those were a brainy mint with Chuck Chi, the artist Chuck Chi, and I was involved in that. That just dropped like a month ago, sold out immediately, had an incredible following. So those guys are just great at what they do. Uh, and I've been fortunate enough to to be involved in the alpacas and uh, the Toshis and all the stuff that League Group is doing. So that's been a lot of fun too, man. Jeez, uh, you're everywhere. The man that can do it all, man. It's sort of... Uh... <laughs> It's a beautiful story, you know. Um, it's like a dream come true. Yeah, and and I did meet Brainy briefly uh, at the Meebits brunch last year in NYC. Super cool dude. So definitely try and get him on at some stage as well. But yeah, man, like CEO manufacturing. You're a real CEO. You're doing real things in real life. You found your way into NFTs. Actually, the other thing I want to ask you about too is golf. Um, loving that you the fact that you used to play golf. Why did you give up the scholarship to? pursue a CPA that that's like I know it's like a really mature decision or something and I was 18 and like you just don't expect that out of someone <laughs> at that age yeah you know I had a really cool career golfing I grew up in you know Ontario as I said Canada here and I was a young boy and my dad was a member at a private golf out here or at a private golf club out here and I got to you know join that club as a young man and it was really cheap for me it was like $500 a year to be a member and I'd play like all summer long like two rounds a day because of course when you're like 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old you don't have any such thing as back pain or body pain so you just keep playing because you can so I played no joke, like 200 times a summer. And I got really, really good at golf, winning tournaments and stuff. And yeah, like I, you know, I ended up with a few golf scholarship offers. But the, the competition, the level of, of talent is so unbelievable in, you know, the Southern US because they play 12 months a year. Canada, you know, it's, it's freaking freezing four months a year or so. So you just can't golf four months a year here, maybe five months a year. And, and there's a major competitive disadvantage to just not keeping your game going 12 months a year, you know, in my humble opinion. And so the schools that were offering these scholarships were, were very small. They were division two. They, you know, I tried to be, you know, I guess for lack of better words, mature in a way and sit back and really weigh out the decision. The schools I had access to here were incredibly top tier schools. And I knew that there was a really good chance that I'd be coming back looking for a job. And would I want to come back looking for a job with a degree from a school that no one in Canada has ever heard of? Or would I want to come back and look for a job or not come back or just look for a job after going to school out here? and have a degree from a, you know, a reputable school. So there was that component. And then there was just the financial component. As crazy as it sounds, I was offered the most, I think was a 50% ride. So 50% of, it was like 25,000 US dollars, I think. So call it like 12 and a half thousand dollars US exchange rate, like, a, you know, around 20 grand Canadian with the scholarship to go to school down there. And my tuition in Canada was five grand. School in Canada is very cheap compared to the US. So it would have been four times the price to go to a no-name school in the U.S. And I was trying to be realistic with myself. And it was hard, man, because like I went down to a couple schools, one in Long Island, New York, and they treat you really well. They take you out for like steak dinner. They like, you know, they show you the team and practice facilities and the course they play on and everything. And of course, you're 18 years old, you know, you're full of piss and vinegar and you, you know, just love the idea of being a, <laughs> uh, you know, a jock on campus and everything else. And I, and, and I loved golf, so it was hard to to walk away from that dream and and you know what man you'll know this maxwell more than anybody i think as this you know an ex-deloiter and so on you know an ex-auditor there were so many nights busy season I'm, I'm auditing some public companies financial statements eating what canadians would say swiss chalet which is like dirty fried chicken in a boardroom with no <laughs> windows it's like 10 o'clock at night on a saturday night 
all your friends are out getting laid, having, you know, having <laughs> drinks and partying, and I'm sitting there eating <laughs> shitty chicken, auditing the fucking prepaids of an asshole public company. Excuse my language, everybody. Um, but, but you sit there, and, and it's like, man, you know, like, what the hell was I doing? I probably should have taken that golf scholarship. But, you know, aside from that, obviously, as I've said, you know, it all worked out. It paid off. I ended up owning and selling a business in my 30s. You know, now I, I'm, you know, kind of living another dream by running a business with my brother, which has been super cool. Yeah, man, I can't complain. Like, you know, even even the ability to work with, you know, SIG and, and, and you know, this this punk token. And, you know, a shout out to those. I, I, I said I was coming on this and it was coincidental that I had taken over and then, you know, had this full opportunity to be on your punk cast. And honestly, like, I didn't give it enough respect, I think, you know, so they wanted me to answer, why did you buy out CEO? Right. Maybe um, if you can just share with everybody what SIG actually is. Yeah. So SIG is a token. It's, you know, it's a coin. It's a token that is tradable on Sushi Swap. It's a token that was created in theory to be the, the CryptoPunks token, although it's not created by the owners of CryptoPunks. It's created by the community. And all punks who haven't claimed up to this point, which I think 37% or so have, which isn't very much. There's a lot of punks out there who haven't claimed. Like VR Punk, who's an OG who, who you know, minted all of his punks. His theory is he's not claiming. It's way too early. And I, and, I, and I scratch my head. I don't fully understand his theory, but, you know, it is what it is. You know, so those who have punks who haven't claimed can get 100,000 SIG token for every one of their punks. And those tokens are, you know, tradable. They're stakeable. So on the SIG site, it's, you know, the ability to stake those SIG tokens and actually earn uh, or, or what's, you know, how it's kind of phrased with the SIG world is to, to be employed and earn a salary, earn, earn SIG. You can stake your SIG, which right now the APR and that's about 15%. And that's, you know, a cool aspect of being the CEO, which you, Max, will probably know this, obviously, is that I slash, you know, whoever is in the CEO seat has the ability to alter the production speed, essentially, of those new SIGs. And so every day, you know, X number of SIGs are produced. And I've been able to speed that up slightly, in my opinion, because I think the APR is a little low. But of course, the fun part about SIG, I've realized, there's a passionate community out there. And in you know, a very short time frame, I've been sternly spoken to by individuals who are looking <laughs> for financial support as to my decisions. And uh, it sounds like I'm, you know, kind of running to in real life companies all of a sudden because uh, I, I am accountable to these people. So, yeah, so it's a token. It's a cool token. You know, there's a really cool community of punk holders and non-punk holders that are, are firm believers in SIG. And, you know, I guess full circle, I first thought it was honestly like dormant. I thought it was pretty much a dead beast. And I thought it'd be really cool to like slap my face on that CEO page and be like, this is a fun little, little task. And then someone will buy me out. And it's kind of like this little game that's going on. And I didn't realize, I, I, I didn't have enough respect for what was actually going on. And so the short answer is it was sort of out of like, you know, thinking this wasn't serious that I thought, oh, you know, I'll spend the one ETH worth of SIG and just kind of throw my name up there. And then very quickly talking to Shuli or Julie, you know, one of the mods in, in the punk channel, uh, who's a good friend of mine. She's a pretty active SIG member. And she sort of slapped me and said like, hey, listen, man, like, you know, this is a good community and this is a serious community. Check it out, you know, do some reading. And I did that. And I quickly learned like, man, this is, you know, I have to give this a good shot because there's some serious people in there who have, you know, some pretty significant amounts of SIG on the table and are looking to make something of this. And honestly, like the serious aspect of it is, is like, you know what? I'm a punk. I'm not an ape. 
I'm not a hybrid. I don't I don't really dance on both sides of that fence. And so I take personal offense that the ApeCoin trades like 7,000% higher than the SIG. And I mean, I'm not saying that in a serious way. You know, I fully understand probably why that is because, you know, Yuga has just been absolutely killing it in all respects. But I, I think there's an opportunity for CryptoPunks to to re-elevate SIG to an extent and to embrace it as their as their token. And there's there's a lot of merit in doing that, just given that there's a lot of serious people involved. Uh, OX Tycoon, who's, who's, you know, like one of the founders of, of SIG, is a you know, very intelligent person. I've had some good conversations with him and, uh, you know, everybody takes it seriously. And so very quickly, I've flipped my switch here and uh, just, you know, want to make sure that they know that uh, I'm, I'm taking this seriously and that, you know, the community knows that, hey, you know what, it's a fun token. It's not expensive. If you can throw a few hundred bucks in or something, great, you know, come and hop in the Discord. But it's not closed off. So if you don't have any SIG and you still want to come and chat, then it's an open community, good people, good times, fun chats. So I've gotten involved in that. And, you know, I'm going to the, the Punk Brunch. So it'll be good too to chat about it. Yeah, I think the Punk Brunch would be good. Definitely get along to that if anybody's listening. It's, uh, it's coming up soon in New York. But I think for those punks that haven't claimed, I think you can claim 100,000 SIG on the website. Per too. punk. Per punk. That's right. It's a little bit of fun, man. So it'll be interesting to sort of see where this goes. And really like tycoon and uh, some of the guys in there for sure yeah i mean no promises that's the thing you know people are like so what is the big plan they're like you know where is this gonna go like how do we exceed ape and i'm like man like baby steps let's just let's just take this one step at a time have some some you know twitter spaces let's all talk let's all figure out what you know the consensus is here as to where we want to take this thing and then yeah let's be realistic it might never become an ape coin but if it can become a fraction of that to an extent and you know kind of maybe represent a little more than what it does right now Maybe there's some some utility with some digital art or something for holders. There's, you know, some things that I know we're looking at or, you know, that the group has been looking at for a while that I'm starting to get involved with that I think should be or could be a lot of fun for, for holders down the road. Nice. Looking forward to it. There's a couple other things that I want to unpack. Two topics I want to unpack before we get into your CryptoPunk story. One is the going back to the Christie's auction and two is that cryptodes piece. So, but just in terms of the Christie's auction, so let me just get this right. You basically collected a full set of the Artblock series. Uh, so there's 31 NFTs in there. Right. Went to Christie's, but didn't sell because the the market had sort of softened, and you you had and your, the reserve was too high. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, man. So like maybe the other side too is is like that art blocks journey and that collection there. What was compelling for you to collect full sets? I mean, and maybe if you can explain what a full set actually entails. So, I mean, the previous setup for Art Blocks was they just would have a curated project. And I'll take a step back. So curated meaning there's a curation board. And I'm speaking a little bit historically here. So I think it's changed a little bit. The curated projects, of course, the board, um, you know, approves the artist. The artist then does their mint. Um, I started minting some of the projects after I was catching up to buying some of the, the, the ones that already minted prior to my time. And, uh, I, you know, I... I um, I started to love the art and I do believe that the key to this space is to buy things that you love and not things that have economic benefit, um, or that are, you know, have a perceived economic benefit, because if you buy things for economics and not for the art, um, then, you know, you, you lose more than you win. And that's just, you know, how you're going to end up not really, um, having a you know a good time in my opinion. So I think if you buy things that you love kind of regardless of the economic benefit, then that's, that's probably the best path. And so, um, I started to really like to sort of fall in love with the art, with, you know, the generative art and just, uh, for example, 
Fidenzas, I think, are absolutely beautiful. I love Fidenzas. Uh, you know, I just, subscapes, like there's just something about those generative curated projects that I fell in love with. And I figured it was it was logical to try to collect every single one. And so I did over the course of a few months before things went chaotic in August of 21, when, you know, I started getting bought offers on my Fidenza every hour for like 150 Ethereum. It was just out of control. It was a crazy, crazy summer. And that's what led into the Christie's experience and so on. And so, I mean, you know, what goes up must come down, especially when it happens quickly. And that's what happened with our blocks, I think. And just the way my, you know, my auction was timed. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, I guess. Crazy story, man. And, and, and are you still holding the full set at the moment? Or well, you know what's funny is I so I had a few guys say to me like, "Don't sell a single piece from that because of you know the uh, provenance and so on associated with that thirty-one piece set." But I was so pissed off after that experience. I was like, you know what, screwed. I'm going to sell some pieces, and so I did. I sold the Fidenza. I bought another Fidenza that I feel that I I sort of connect with even better. But I sold the Fidenza. I sold a bunch of pieces. I still have you know a day zero uh, fuzzy you know chromy squiggle. I still have a day zero construction token. I still have a day zero Genesis. You know, I still have a pretty large bag of generative art. And I do, I really believe that those initial projects, especially, are going to be the real historical foundational pieces that create the story when generative art is, is, is truly on the forefront of art, I think, um, you know, sort of globally over the next 10, 20 years. I think, you know, those who have the patience to hang on to something like a chromie squiggle, which you know, I'm not sure if you guys had been cut off again, but I was just talking about Beeple's show, how he has this massive show going on. I think that just finished and there was this massive display for all squiggles, you know, these massive screens in this room, and it just looked amazing. And um, so paying, you know, homage to the squiggle. And then also, um, I noticed that he had an entire room for Fuck Render, um, who's a Canadian, who I love, who's an amazing man. Uh, Fred, his name is. He's a punk as well. He's a punk as well. Great guy. I have two of his one of one pieces. Um, I think he's he's an absolutely talented individual. Um, And he had an entire room that people had dedicated his art to which is super cool so yeah uh, i mean back to the gen art i mean i'm a big believer in snowfro i think that the artists are amazing i love the output and honestly like the one piece of advice i give anybody in this space is try and buy things that you love things that you look at that make you happy that give you a feeling that you're looking to feel and um that's a really important part of all this is that you connect with the art and if you do that and that's your first priority um the economic aspects, the economic opportunities may still be there, but they're not the first priority. And therefore, if they never come to fruition, it's never a disappointment. Whereas if your priority is economics and you can't flip them for gains, then it's just a hollow feeling and you're never complete in this space. And I think there's a lot of people in this space right now that are trying the wrong way. And everything is about making a dollar. And you know whether that's fraudulently making a dollar, which is a ton of that going on, or whether that's just you know, here stressing out every day about, you know, ETH going up and down and about, you know, the floors of certain projects. And it's like, man, like you're missing the point. It's fine if you want to make a dollar and, you know, make a flip and that's okay. And all of us probably have our our wins and our losses. You know, the point really is the art and the community. And man, like, it's crazy to say that, you know, like kind of accountant to accountant, because if I go back even three years, man, I had no appreciation. I had no appreciation for a community that I, I'd never met and that I just talked through through a, a medium like Discord. I just, I never would have thought in a million years I'd be sitting here saying this, but it's true. And I've, I've learned that in a very organic way because I was no one and I never appreciated this. And, and I came in and I've been like this guinea pig almost of just like, let's take this accountant who has no appreciation for this, start them on, 
you know, ground zero and see where they go. And it's crazy because if you embrace what, what, you know, web three offers and you acquire assets based on the, the appreciation of the art and or artist, and you embrace the community, it's, it's actually a pretty beautiful space. Um, you know, aside from some assholes. Would you classify CryptoPunks as art? I would. It's tough. You know, I've had a lot of my friends, like, you know, people that aren't in this space be like, man, what is that thing? Like, what is that disgusting looking hooded thing that you say is worth like a half a million dollars? And I'm like, yeah, I know, man. It's, it's, you know, and I, I, I never would have looked at it on day one and been like, I really love those things. But for some reason, I see my punk, I see punks and it's just like this warm positive feeling and maybe it's the community behind it that's that's made me feel that way to an extent but the fact that you can take a computer program and you can make it spit out these these randomly generated pieces of output and that output creates these 10,000 you know unique non-fungible pieces of of output and they look like they they look like and the community can gather around that output and embrace everything that has to do with it. I think that's that's got to be art in in my mind. And yeah, sure, it's twenty four by twenty four pixels and all that. And and it's not it's not something that people would say is like crisp, clean, modern art. But like, that's only one like subsection or one one facet of art. And I think that punks stand for a lot. They stand for you know the fact that this space really was. Or, or at least the the PFP space, which is kind of the dominant space we're in, was founded by you know Larva Labs in 2017 through this this fun project that was never meant to be anything more than fun, and it, it you know carries so much significance now. I think, and probably will forever. I think if this space continues to thrive and succeed, even through all this adversity, which it is, I think punks are really going to be one of the foundations of this space forever. And so you know, I think art, you know, it really depends how you define it and some people would say no way man that's not art it's it's just some ugly looking face that's 24 by 24 pixels but i think it's pretty close-minded outlook and so yeah i do think that punks are art the apes for example the b-a-y-c you know the board apes i think that's art as well but there's there's just something too cartoony there's something too i don't know almost childlike in a way that i just can't wrap my head around with board apes but i mean hey man it's a great business They've done incredible. Yuga Labs has done incredible. Um, you know, all 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 the respect for their community. There are some great people out there who who love apes, and there's some great punks who love apes. So no hate coming out of me. I just it's not my thing. Your current punks are eight five one five. Was that your first punk that you bought? No, I bought. Um, actually, I learned it's called a, a right angle dickhead. Is what I bought <laughs> the first time. Um, so I bought the the the. <laughs> The punk that looks like a right angle because they got a smoke. It was actually a vape. So it was a vape smoking punk with the skinny mohawk. <laughs> and I guess you could say it's a dickhead and he has a right okay. angle, you know, nest to him with the, the vape. And so I bought that for like 19 ETH or something. And I remember I did that and I think it was like, it was like $40,000 US. And I remember telling my brother, I'm like, holy fuck, I just bought a crypto punk for 40 grand. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know, man. And then I, you know, two months later, uh, actually, on our mother's birthday, on on April twenty seventh, two thousand twenty one, I bought the hooded punk for eighty ETH. It was like two hundred thousand dollars or something. And I I I built up, flipped a bunch of stuff, and got my way up to that point. And I I you know bought this hooded punk, and I really like the hooded punks. It feels like the quintessential punk trait to me at the end of the day. And I like hoodies, so you know all lined up. 
maybe you can talk us through that decision journey. You know, what was it about, I guess, the hoodie and, and, and I guess the whole buying process? Was it a quick buy for you? Was it a, the floor hoodie or were you negotiating for it? Like, talk us through that sort of process when you acquired 8515. He is definitely a clean looking hoodie with a beard, right? So, uh, you know, what's funny is I was talking to Scaly Nelson. So, talking to Scaly Nelson, and Scaly Nelson had um, a bino one attribute hoodie no no other attributes but hoodie and 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 a bino so like literally a one addy hoodie beautiful looking super clean i'm not a huge bino fan but know that you know it's obviously the rarest of the skin tones and so on and uh i offered him i think it was like two hundred thousand us for it and it was like i think it was a sunday i i had sent him this message and he shook my hand digitally and we agreed on it and the next day I got cold feet. I'm like, oh man, I'm not going to spend 200 grand on a hoodie. This is ridiculous. <laughs> and I guess he had talked to some people and they were like, that's way too little, man. You got a one attribute hoodie. Hoodies are, are, are firing up right now. They're super hot. That's not enough money. And so he put it up on the punk site for sale for like 130 ETH, which was like, I don't know, like 400 grand or something crazy at the time. And like an hour after he put it up, it sold. And I was like, oh man. Like I could have got that and I got cold feet and I think I messaged him privately and I was like, Oh man, you almost sold me that for like half that price. And he's like, Oh, thank God I didn't. And, uh, <laughs> and I got FOMO. I got FOMO. I got hard FOMO. I was like, Oh God, I'm like, I, I'm not going to get a hoodie. And then literally I saw someone, I forget who it was, but they put up the, my hoodie. I, I, I should know his name. I bought the damn thing off him, but for 79 ETH, and he just put it up because I guess he was like, oh, man, hoodies are hot right now. That one just sold for 130 I want to, you know, double my investment here. And he put it up for 79 I was like, oh, it's a nice big beard hoodie right up my alley. And I messaged the guy and I was like, 75 And he's like, I'll jack it to 85 right now. And I'm like, hey, fine, 79 It's done. It's done. It's done. And so, uh, so I bought it off him for 79 ETH. And I, I honestly never looked back, man. I mean. It's crazy. All of a sudden, I you know I have this NF Tiff. I have Tiffany necklaces or chains or whatever. I'm picking up in three weeks for all three of my punks. Um, I could never imagine getting rid of my hoodie punk at this point. Like any time in my life, crazy as that sounds, who knows down the road? But um, yeah, man, it's crazy how things grow on you. But that's kind of how it happened. What do you think it is about hoodie punks that makes them so special? I mean, they're not the rarest. So I think there's 259 in the whole whole collection, and the current floor is. 225 ETH, which is about 460,000 US dollars. Statistically speaking, you're right. They're not, they're not the rarest at all. Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, rarity falls into play only to an extent with punks. And I think people at the end of the day are looking for their forever punk and they're looking for their PFP. And I think a lot of us can can relate to hoodies. I think it's kind of like a common piece of clothing we all have when we're punks, when we're teenagers, when we're going through those times in our lives. And I mean do you ever stop wearing hoodies? Do you turn 30 and go, I'm too old for hoodies? No way, man. I have a hoodie. I have, I have probably 20 hoodies upstairs right now. So it's that it's that like forever wearable item. It's very relevant. It's not like, you know, I no hate on beanies, but like who the hell has a rainbow colored beanie at home that they wear on a regular basis? But fair enough. I mean, it's a cool trait, man. Don't get me wrong. It sells for a premium, et cetera. But um, I think it's a lot more like relatable when you look at a hoodie and you think about, okay, for a PFP, like this actually could be a representation of me in a 24 by 24 pixelated, you know, sort of 
context. And so there's that. I think that, you know, aesthetically that, you know, they just look cool. Yeah, and then there's a certain, I guess, draw to the fact that they're that they are deemed to be probably one of the best, if not the best, sort of human trait. Like if you look at kind of like what's the grail humans in that collection, the beanie, the pilots, the hoodies, the cowboys. So I guess, yeah. No, I uh, I absolutely love the hoodies. If I mean, if I had enough ETH, I would have I would have bought one back then as well. But it was just out of out of my uh, my reach. And you're right; it probably just brings like a a dark sort of Sith Lord, you know, um, undertone to it, which is kind of cool. But also it puts you in the same caliber as um, a lot of really well-known punks that have the hoodie trait, right? So you 6529, DC Investor, Byrat Kumo, you know, and, and a few others. Obviously your, your name's up in there too. So it uh, puts you that elite sort of echelon there, mate. So um, yeah, I mean, you know, I definitely wouldn't categorize myself with those guys. Those guys are definitely the elites, but no, I mean, yeah, there's uh, some merit in the fact that they chose those as well, I guess, for a reason. And, that, you know, that's a good feeling because, you know, a lot of those have been, you know, in this space a lot longer than I. And, uh, you know, they, they definitely deserve the utmost respect. And so when they choose those traits, I guess it's a good feeling, too, that, you know, they've chosen to, to keep the hoodie as a PFP. And, uh, you know, it's not a bad feeling. And if money wasn't an issue, like, what would be your dream punk, do you think? I'm not a huge fan of zombies because I just don't think it's a right pfp for me but i would say the one that uh seed phrase just sold that uh the ape hoodie the hoodie ape there that like that was just that was an unbelievable punk you got like 3300 ETH for that or whatever guys done well economically in this space but honestly man i'm really content with my hoodie and i'd say it's top five for me to choose in all honesty uh, i think so too you got a really great clean one and then when you're looking across the twitter space or even the punk space. Who's your favorite punk personality, do you think? I saw that question and um, I'd probably answer in, in a different way than most because, you know, a lot of people will probably say like, you know, DZ or something. DZ's a, you know, hilarious punk, hoodie punk, um, has his podcast and stuff, great personality. But I'll honestly answer and say there's a, there's a lady named Suzanne. She uh, is a wild blonde PFP. She's honestly one of the most positive, supportive people I've ever come across in this whole space. Anytime anybody ever posts something, she's always the first one to comment supportively. She's incredibly positive. Just like has has this unbelievable personality amongst her that, you know, is just super contagious. And if everybody acted like Suzanne, the world would be a better place, man. Like she's she's just authentic, she's genuine, she's caring. So and like she's just a very active punk contributor. Um, I'd love to know more of her story, her background. Um, I have no clue how she got in this space. I know she's mentioned she has a son, I believe, who's starting to to uh, collect NFTs as well. But she's just super intelligent, for caring, loves art blocks, loves punks, just just an awesome person. So I'd say she's one of my favorite characters in this space. I, I absolutely love Suzanne. She's um, yeah, super supportive of and you know day one supporter of Punkcast as well, right? So I've been bouncing. A few things off her, but super lovely. Yeah. So really, um, really glad to hear you sort of pick Suzanne. And if you were to describe punk culture in a few words, how would you describe that? I'd say resilient, man. I mean, people, uh, a lot of this FUD and the volatility and the stuff that causes people to stress out. I feel like the punks, you know, we're such a tight knit group and we're so, like, you know, we, we have such a love for the art, generally speaking. Generally speaking, obviously, I'm, you know, generalizing, but the volatility, the noise, that the space creates on a regular basis is softened by that community and that and that tight knitness. And I think that 
resiliency would be a good word for the punks in general because of all of all projects in the space i feel like it's it's i mean you know it's, it's practically a stable coin at this point you know, let's be honest i think throughout all this volatility punks have risen to be evidently one of the most stable projects in this space and i think it's because people just you know they don't you know they they buy their punk and they hold and they just there's no expectations for utility there's no expectations for anything um you know that'd be another way to describe it no expectations resilient and um just looking to have a good conversation but i've said a bit of myself and what are your views on v1 punks i try not to give a shit i try to to not care or focus too much on those sorts of things imitation is the greatest form of flattery i think that you know the quote goes and so i think when you're when you're the og you know pfp collection you're going to inevitably get a lot of people trying to replicate and you know v1 arguably of course is the closest form of replication because technically it's a form of the contract that was created prior to the updated fixed contract and so on. But, you know, you have to look at the fact that everybody agrees that the V2 punk, the finalized contract is the one and only contract that the developers ever intended to release. And I think that's a very important point. And so aside from that, it's a, a sub culture within the punks i guess of people that may have missed the boat on getting a punk fair or just maybe rebels and want to really argue that v1 should be the original punk and you know that's fine man that's the space and i don't hate on it but you know i'm not one to really pay much attention i try to just ignore the noise what about btc punks and ordinals i think it's kind of cool i mean i went and locked down my 8515 BTC Punk, just because I, I would do the same with the V1s if I could find it. Just because I'd like to, you know, have complete ownership of that if I could. But, you know, I know Robert, who's a punk, who started the BTC Punks to an extent. He's kind of the founder of that. He gets a lot of hate on for, you know, doing that. I think half the hate on is that, you know, he's making some good coin doing it. Fair enough. You know, the guy was an entrepreneur to an extent. So I'm going to take this crypto punk project, copy every single damn image with an orange background and call it original. And, we all know that's bullshit. We do. But I don't know, man. Time will tell, I guess. Inscriptions are meaningful to an extent, I guess. They, you know, inscription numbers and all that. But um, I don't know. I mean, I, I personally think that art is going to stay on, you know, the Ethereum blockchain. I'll probably agree with you on that one. What about the Yuga acquisition? I guess I'm not really like, you know, just given my background, I guess I'm not really too intense on decentralization to the extent of like being upset that a corporation to an extent like owns the punks now. I think they're being smart with Noah and taking baby steps towards kind of, you know, respecting the art for what it is and getting it into museums and not, you know, putting a whole bunch of sort of tangible utility associated with it, which was never, I think, the intention or the desire um, so I think it's probably not too meaningful, in all honesty, to the punks. I think it could have an upside maybe with, you know, improved uh, marketplaces and a little more resources to invest in maybe those sorts of things. But in general, I don't think it's that meaningful or that impactful at this point. But um, I mean, it was, you know, probably disheartening in the sense of like, you know, Larva Labs just kind of giving in and just selling off the punks that they had and so on. I mean, you kind of hope that Matt and John would have a bit more passion to make something out of this. And they didn't, I guess, at the end of the day, but not everybody has that. So you can't hate on them for it. But aside from that, I mean, I'm pretty, you know, neutral. If you could pass on a message to the next owner of your hoodie punk, what would you like to say to them? Well, I just have to go talk to my son because he better be the owner of my hoodie punk. If I sold it to a third party, it means either punks went to the moon and someone 
paid me $8 million for my hoodie punk, or it's gone to my son, or I squandered all of my money and had to sell it to live. Um, and so if the latter happens, and I have to sell this thing for some you know, external reason. I'd, I'd say have respect for the punk. I mean, it's a great punk, but you know, no, no specific message. I don't think at the end of the day, it's no, it's no more special of a punk than another punk to someone else. I think it's, you know, the beauty is in the eye of the beholder at the end of the day. So, you know, I, I would say he's worth more than a flip. Marcelo, this is a, uh been a super fun and interesting conversation like i'd love to uh go and be with you one day and i think we could sort of talk about golf nfts and counting someday but thank you uh so much for your time i know you're super busy as well but looking forward to uh, what you do with sig and being the ceo of CryptoPunks, man no thanks so much maxwell i appreciate your time man yeah again you know on on the sig front i'll do what i can a token play is a tough game tough space right now but i think there's some merit there there's a great headspace in that project and in that community so i think there's the right people are there it's just a matter of what we do with it so i'll do what i can man and uh yeah you know i'm looking forward to meeting you at some point too and if you make it down to the punks brunch or to new you know nft new york city great if not we'll we'll catch you another time and um yeah man thanks for your time i appreciate the uh you know the interview and all that and i had a lot of fun awesome just one last one as well if people want to sort of reach out to you is, is twitter sort of the best way to do that yeah i'm open on dms there so no problem dm are open so if anybody ever wants to reach out i'm an open book happy to chat awesome thank you again barcella and guys this wraps up another episode for punk cast for the week we'll be back next week with another punk bye for now